This is Michelle Gibbs. My husband and I have been married for 15 years and we have five wonderful children. My oldest is 14 and the youngest is not quite a year old and we live in Idaho. I love studying the scriptures and creating this podcast every week really helps me to dig deep into the scriptures and ponder and receive my own personal revelations. Join me as I share some of the thoughts that I have when I study using the Come Follow Me program by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This week's reading is 2 Nephi chapters 11 through 25. Lots of Isaiah this week. And in chapter 25, verse 5, Nephi says, Yea, and my soul delighteth in the words of Isaiah. And as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of the loving feelings that I have for the prophets that I grew up with as a child, the the words and the things that they did and the way that I remember them, they're just very special to me because as a child they helped me gain my testimony. And I think that's how Nephi feels about Isaiah. He learned the words of Isaiah from his youth and so he has these special feelings towards Isaiah and his teachings and he wants to share that with his family. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about reading Isaiah this time around is how many times he talks and teaches about Jesus Christ. And again, in 2 Nephi chapter 25, verse 23, Nephi says, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children, and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. And I think this is the reason that the prophets of old took so much time and effort to write the scriptures. It wasn't an easy task. They had to make the plates. They had to chisel the the engravings into the plates. It was very tedious and very time-consuming. But the reason that Nephi writes so much about Isaiah and the reason that they made the plates at all and kept these records was to bring us to Christ, their posterity, and also all of us who have the opportunity to read the Book of Mormon and the scriptures. And in chapter 21, Isaiah gives a great description of Jesus Christ, and I just love the words that he uses. Verse 2 is where I'm getting, and he says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. It's just, I love the words that describe the character and temperament of Jesus Christ in these writings of Isaiah. The Nephites at this time were keeping the law of Moses because Jesus Christ had not yet been born. And in chapter 25, verse 25, Nephi says, The law hath become dead unto us, and we are made alive in Christ. And I really liked that, and it gave me a lot of things to think about because they didn't follow the laws to prove that they were the most righteous people, but the Nephites were keeping the laws because they loved the Savior and they wanted to obey him and to follow his commandments. And it really made me think that it isn't through the law that we are saved, but it's through the atonement of Jesus Christ 
by obedience to the laws of Jesus Christ, which is actually what we say in Articles of Faith 1-3, right? We believe that through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. And I think that's what it's meant here when Nephi is talking about the deadness of the law. In chapter 25, verse 27, he says, We speak concerning the law that our children may know the deadness of the law, and they, by knowing the deadness of the law, may look forward unto that life which is in Christ, and know for what end the law was given. We need the commandments. They help us to become more like Jesus Christ and to return to our Heavenly Father. And we need our Heavenly Father. Without Him, we are nothing, and we can't accomplish anything, at least nothing of an eternal nature. In the first place, He created us. He's our Father. And everything we have and all we are comes from Heavenly Father. Chapter 20, verse 15, Isaiah says something similar. He says, Shall the axe boast itself against him that heweth therewith? Shall the saw magnify itself against him that shaketh it? As if the rod could shake itself against them that lift it up, or as if the staff should lift itself as if it were no wood. Here again, I love the way Isaiah describes this. It's it's almost humorous to me. He, to him, it's so obvious, it seems almost ridiculous that you couldn't believe. And I, I get that as he reads, or as he writes some of these words, and I, I really like it. I find it fun to read. In chapter 20, verses 24 and 25, Isaiah says, O my people that dwellest in Zion, be not afraid of the Assyrian. He shall smite thee with a rod, and shall lift up his staff against thee after the manner of Egypt, for yet a very little while. And this really got me to thinking, this is talking to the righteous people, saying, don't be afraid of the wicked. Yeah, you're going to be persecuted for a short while, but it's not a permanent thing, and it's for a wise purpose. And I think as faithful followers of Jesus Christ, we are tried and tempted. We will be challenged for our beliefs. Some people are persecuted to some degree or another for beliefs. But it doesn't last forever. In the Lord's time, those who persecute will have the consequences of their actions, just as we will for being faithful. Um, of course, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all repent of all the things that we do wrong and we can all just be brothers and sisters in the gospel of Jesus Christ together? And of course, that's our ultimate goal. Chapter 21, verse 7 talks about just that. It says, And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And when you live together, uh, you know, as you notice in families, you start to become more alike in personality and in likes and dislikes because we spend so much time with each other that we just start to rub off on each other. And hopefully our good qualities rub off on the other people and their good qualities help us to be better in those areas where we're weak. But I have found that that really does happen. And not just with people. Here it's talking about animals and the cow and the bear feeding together. And it reminded me of when we used to have chickens. We kept them in the backyard and we had a little coop and it was lots of fun. But one year we decided we wanted to get a rabbit. And so we bought a rabbit and we didn't have a rabbit cage at the time. So we just decided to put our rabbit in with our chickens. I had a friend who had done the same thing and it was pretty good for her, so we thought we'd give it a try. So we put our rabbit in with the chickens. We gave her her own little food and water and gave the chickens their food and water. And it was the funniest thing, but 
the rabbit didn't want to eat her food. She would just eat food with the chickens and drink with the chickens and they would all sleep together. The chickens would huddle up against the rabbit to stay warm in the winter and it was just so cute. But the rabbit kind of thought it was a chicken and became a lot like the chickens, except of course she didn't lay eggs, but she really, I think, felt like part of that family because she lived with them and they were who she associated with. I've, I guess I've just really been thinking about animals again this week. We um, recently, just over the weekend, got another new puppy, and so thinking about animals and raising them has been on my mind. Chapter 21, verse 6 talks more about animals. It says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. I'm thinking about this big wolf and this little tiny helpless lamb just reminds me of my two dogs now. Um, my first, the dog that we already had is still young, but he is small. And the new puppy we got is going to be a big dog and she's already bigger than our little puppy that we had. And so it's been interesting to watch them try to learn to get along because our little guy Bruno, he didn't really like our big puppy Millie at first. He kind of barked at her a lot. She scared him. She wants, she wants to play. She's nice, but he's afraid of her. And so it's taken some time for him to get used to her and realize that she's not going to hurt him because his instincts say, Ooh, that's not going to be good for me. So it's been kind of fun to watch them and a little bit nerve wracking to allow them to play together and learn to get along. But I think that over time they have definitely improved and that will continue to happen. And also, as you know, I have this a little baby. She's 10 months old. And so that's been another interesting mix to add with them is trying to get the puppies to learn to be calm around the baby so that she doesn't get hurt. And so when I read this verse talking about the wolf and the lamb and then a little child shall lead them, it's, it's kind of interesting because I just can't imagine them being calm enough for her or even maybe my my six-year-old to be in charge of them without somebody helping because it takes a lot of strength and command to to be in charge of little dogs and and big dogs and they they take they take a firm hand if they're going to behave and so what a neat idea that they will be able to get along well enough that a child can be in charge of them i also was thinking when I read this verse, I always think that the wolf has to learn to be good with the lamb and not be mean. And that is true. But watching my puppies together made me realize it's not just the bigger animal that has to learn to get along with a small animal. But sometimes as the smaller animal, we have to learn to trust in the big animal and to let our guard down enough to open up those relationships that we can start getting along. All right, enough about animals. Let's talk about bricks and trees. In chapter 19, verse 10, Isaiah says, The bricks are fallen down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. And this actually made me think about last week, talking about having a circumcised heart <clears throat> and how our hearts, when they're cut as we heal, they're strengthened and they're grown stronger. And that is kind of what I thought of with this verse. And also, we're exchanging broken bricks and cut down sycamore trees for stones and cedars, which are much more um, expensive, high quality, 
products, at least at this time, I think, for Isaiah. And so he's talking not just about rebuilding and being stronger, but about being more quality, more precious, I guess would be a good word to use there. And I really liked thinking about that as we grow, we're getting stronger and our testimonies are getting more precious and more wonderful. Another section of Isaiah that I've really enjoyed applying to my life this week is in chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah says, My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it, and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. We see this comparison of the gospel to a vineyard frequently in the scriptures, I think, and it's a really good one. But this week, as I've been reading about the vineyard, I've been comparing it to parenting and my own life and thinking about how sometimes we try to make things as easy as possible for our children. We want to protect them. We want to make their lives easier than ours was so that they don't have to go through the same struggles that we did. But in doing that, we deprive them of the opportunity to establish their own deep roots. And sometimes they turn wild and then we wonder what happened because I gave them everything they could have wanted and still they turned out wild. Just like in this example in the scriptures where the vineyard was fenced and the rocks were taken out of it and it was planted with the best plants and still produced wild fruit. It makes me think of when I was in college. I went to the University of Wyoming in Laramie, Wyoming, and there weren't a lot of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints there, at least not nearly as many as there are here where I live now in Idaho. and. And the thing that I found is we stuck together, those of us that had similar beliefs in Jesus Christ, and our roots were strong. We weren't forced to go to church because there were no guidelines requiring us to attend church or seminary, and we didn't live with our parents anymore, so we didn't have family persuasion to go to church. So those of us that attended church and activities were there because we wanted to be there and we wanted our testimonies to be strengthened. So now as I am here in Idaho and I'm surrounded by so many wonderful examples of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and I see a lot of my neighbors every week when I go to church, I have to sometimes sit back and take a self-evaluation and say, am I going to church because it's a cultural thing to do here and it's the easy thing and that's where my friends are? Or am I going to church because that's where I want to be and I want my testimony strengthened so that I can have those deep roots that I'm going to need when trials and difficult times come my way? One of the best ways to strengthen our testimonies is to share it and in 2 Nephi chapter 21, verse 9, Isaiah says, For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And we see that happening today. And I thought about how awesome it is that today, anywhere you go and anything you do, you can share in just a second with people all around the world, especially with our family and friends, but also with others that we don't know. Um, we can use all forms of social media, entertainment, there are movies and there's music and there's podcasts 
about uplifting, edifying things about Jesus Christ. No matter how small or large our knowledge of the gospel is, we can share it with others in whatever way works for us. I know that Heavenly Father wants us to share, and it helps us to grow and to be strengthened. I Honestly, I don't feel adequate enough in the gospel knowledge to be sharing and making my own podcast, but here I am because I know that that's what Heavenly Father wants us to do. He wants us to make our voices heard. One last verse I want to share in chapter 14, verse 6. It says, And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat, and for a place of refuge, and a covert from storm and from rain. And I was really thinking about that this week, about what can be our tabernacle today, because we need a place where we can get out of the fiery darts of Satan, out away from the world, and a place where we can rest and not be bombarded with sin and temptation and with the things in this world that really bring us down. Now, I think there are so many different answers to this question. But really, as I was thinking this week, it reminded me, am I making my home a tabernacle, a place of refuge for my children, for myself, for my husband, for all of us, that we have a place out of the world that we can go to where we are safe, where we're protected, and where we can be surrounded by things that build our spirits up. Now, this is easier said than done, I know, from experience in my own home with five children and two adults. We don't always see eye to eye. We don't always get along. But I have noticed that as we try to serve each other and love each other and share with each other, our home has a much happier, peaceful feeling in it. And it's a place that I find I want to be and I don't want to leave because I want to stay here where I know there's love and the the spirit can help us and that's how heavenly father wants it he wants us to be strong together as families so that we can strengthen each other and help each other and uplift each other that's why he put us here in families and sometimes the thought of family is a little bit more open than others not always is it just in our homes that we find those feelings of love and support sometimes it's outside of our home with neighbors and friends and other members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints so whatever that word is to us and means to us we can make it our tabernacle our refuge from the storm and we can share that with others as we go throughout our lives and share our testimonies of jesus christ and the restored gospel Next week is 2 Nephi chapters 26 through 30. Have a great week.